this narrow definition of success. How many zeros do I have in my bank account and how many commas do I have between those zeros? What are the letters before my name and what are the letters behind my name? That narrow definition of success is robbing us of our peace, of our joy, of our happiness, of our marriages, of our relationships with our children, when our children are 16 and won't talk to us. When we get to those critical moments, And we go, oh my God, is this really happiness? Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Zeveld. Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business so it stops running you. I'm LZ, and today we're going to talk about a topic that's incredibly important to every leader, decision-making. Sherry Riley is a life strategist, empowerment speaker, and successful author of Exponential Living with an awesome subtitle. I love this. Stop spending 100% of your time on 10% of who you are. Can I get an amen for that? Wow, I love it. Her clients have included Usher, TLC, Tony Braxton, Converse, the NBA, BMW, and Turner, just to name a few. Sherry's here to chat with us about how we can be more than what we do and 100% of ourselves. Her mission is for high performers to learn how to get out of their own way and truly live their greatest life by removing the elements that keep them hostage to their own success. Man, I'm going to learn a lot today myself. So if you've ever reached a certain level of success but felt like something still wasn't right, this episode will hit home. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I know. My my sister through my sister, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Yes. So I'm going to have to tell tell our listeners a little bit. So um, my sister, Dietra, um, and I have been, gosh, we've been together for several years now. And I had the opportunity to meet you through her. And so we are sisters, right? We really are. I mean, we yeah. are so connected. That bond is so real. And that's a true testament of Dietra and just true. how amazing she is and the magnet that she brings Oh, with just her her glory and her greatness. And, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, the three of us have got to get together now that we're kind of on the other side and uh, spend some time together. I would love that. I would love that. Well, I know how powerful you are and how great you are, but I want to introduce you to our listeners. So we always like to ask a little fun question uh, because, I mean, you're already quite famous and probably people feel like they already know you so well. So... Speaking of being famous, you have met some pretty amazing, famous people. And so my question to you is, who have you ever met? Um, or is there one person that you were a little awestruck over? Like that just kind of caught you off guard. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm just meeting this person. <laughs> um, you, you know, it's so amazing. I am from a small town in Kentucky, so I'm always a fan. Like I'm still okay. a fan. Yeah. Um, but the one person who literally took my breath away was Janet Jackson. Oh, the first time I wow. met Janet, because I mean, we grew up together. Like when she was, you know, five or six in Mae West, I'm going to date myself, um, yeah. on the, the Jackson 5 TV show. I mean, I was Mae West. I was, you know, Penny oh. when she was Penny. I was fighting for control when she was fighting for control. 
And so Usher was the opening act for her tour and no exaggeration, no exaggeration. Okay. She walked in the room. I literally was like, I'm breathing the air that Janet is breathing. (laughs) And now mind you, I'm grown. I'm grown, grown. Like I've got four (laughs) responsibilities. And I'm wherever she went, I went just enough distance, not to be a stalker, but enough distance to go. I'm breathing the air that Janet is breathing. And I did this for about 10 minutes. And then the second time I met her, I literally, I was five months pregnant and I said, my daughter is meeting you. She was like, (laughs) there's no kids in the room. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm five months pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that would be that would be Janet wow. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I would have to say I'd be pretty awestruck too. That what what is just they're just a cool family, and wow, she has accomplished so much in yes. her lifetime. Well, tell us a little bit about your story and the moment that you realized that things had to change. So, tell us a little bit about where you were at and how you've gotten to the place you are at today. Yeah. So a little bit about my background. I'm from a small town in Kentucky. I always say I'm a small town girl. And about probably my early teens, I had this dream of living in Atlanta. I had never Mm -hmm. been to Atlanta and working in the music industry. And again, dating myself, there was no music industry in Atlanta at this time. (laughs) But I was telling everyone I'm going to live in Atlanta and I'm going to work in the music industry. Everyone thought I was crazy. It made Uh no sense. But fast forward a whole lot of years of going to college, managing DJs, creating my own radio Mm. program, calling entertainment executives for four and a half years, all of these things that a small town girl would have to do uh, to try to get a, a footprint in the entertainment industry, I actually did end up. Um, the head of marketing at LaFace Records. LaFace okay. Records was based in Atlanta. It was the home of Tony Braxton, TLC, Outcast, And I'm now living my dream. Like literally yeah. I'm living my dream. I've got this amazing job. I'm making six figures. Um, mm-hmm. I bought my mother a home by the age of 27. I loved the people I worked with. I loved the artists that I got the honor to do the marketing for. I mean, yeah. this is what I told everyone I wanted to accomplish. Yeah. And I was literally miserable. Oh, I was miserable. And I, you know, the politically correct term is that I resigned. Mm-hmm. No, I crashed and I burned. Oh, <laughs> I lit- wow. I literally yeah. crashed and I burned. And that was the a beginning of the turning point. And I don't want to say it was the turning point because literally the turning point was an evolution for me. Um, but that was the beginning of the, t- of the turning point of, okay, I want to not just have a great career. I also want to have a great life. Yeah. And that's when that bell went off for me. Yeah. And about how long was that into your career? So you were, you just kind of dropped 27 you said at 27, this is sort of where you, so what is it, another 10 years, I mean, do you feel? Mm-mm, I was 30. So oh, I, wow. yeah, so I started, yeah. I I started out as the um, marketing person for Gerald Levert, uh, who uh-huh. was an R&B artist uh, from the legendary uh, OJ's family, Levert family. And um, so I was about six years in. So I started there. Okay. So this is three years at LaFace. Um, But what I realized is that was only one of my dreams. 
Mm-hmm. So when I would say I was going to work in the entertainment industry, that was a dream, but I also wanted to be an entrepreneur. And the oh. great thing about what you just said is literally most of us stay five, 10, 15 years in a position right. and don't understand on Sunday why we're miserable about going into work on Monday. Well, it's because you've expired the time that you're supposed to be there. So one of the greatest gifts on the back end was that I crashed and burned because literally it opened up the gateway for the next goal that I had, which was being an entrepreneur. But I was um, I was 30 when I launched my resign, crashed and burned uh, and started my company, Glue. Yeah. And, And also what a blessing that you found that out at 30. Yes. Right. Because I know so many people who are in their 50s and 60s. And who have spent more than six years in that place where they feel like they've crashed and burned and they're just sitting there still. So 30, I mean, what what a gift, right? That God gave yeah. you that and said, like, yeah, all right, you're you've done enough. And that you had that you listened. Yeah. Right. That that you actually listened, like you took a moment to hear what God was saying to you and was like, okay, I need to do something different. So I love that. And that that's why I have the passion now on the second part of your question, to really do the work I do, working with high performers um, that are in that place of what I call the four pain points. What's next? Now what? How do I live? And is this it? And Mm -hmm. because I know what it's like to be absolutely miserable, but have this amazing life. One of my clients said to me, she said, Sherry, she was 42. Look, for all the married people, you'll understand this, but she still loved and liked her husband. Um, yeah. That was a high school <laughs> sweetheart. Um, their kids yeah. both graduated from colleges. She had this multi-million dollar business. And she was like, I feel like I've created this amazing life and now I'm trapped in it. And wow. that's why I have this passion to your point of whether you're that 30 something and know you want to do it differently or whether you're that 50 something, I want you to know you still have time to do it differently. But here's the steps on how, because most of us know we want to. The fear is we don't know how. And that's why I'm so intentional about the how. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's worth repeating for everybody who's listening right now is that you still have time. Yes. Right. You still have time. So why do you think your story is so common among high performing leaders? I believe it's common because, and especially in America, there's the mindset of, you know, only losers sleep and, you know, you got to give a hundred percent. And also, you know, with Malcolm Gladwell, which I totally subscribe to, you know, the excellence, you know, you need 10,000 hours. And, and so we've created this idea in our culture and I've, I've spoken around the world and it exists in pockets and other cultures that, you know, the success comes to those who don't sleep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, my favorite one, because I am that one, I used to say I'm asleep when I die, you know, yeah, that was me crazy, um, yeah. you know, but what I've realized is there is an awareness and an awakening now that people are understanding that this narrow definition of success 
How many Mm -hmm. zeros do I have in my bank account? And how many commas Mm -hmm. do I have between those zeros? What are the letters before my name? And what are the letters behind my name? That narrow definition of success is robbing us of our peace, of our joy, of our happiness, of our marriages, of our relationships with our children. We don't know who we are. And when those things leave, When we retire, when we get fired, when they downsize, when our children are 16 and won't talk to us, when we get to those critical moments and we go, oh, my God, is this really happiness? Or Mm -hmm. to your point, we feel stuck and feel like, well, I'm making great money, but you don't like yourself. Mm -hmm. And so as high performers, one of my greatest purposes is to really expand that paradigm because I'm all mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a capitalist. Yes, I am. I believe yeah. <laughs> in success. As we talked about our dear friend, I love Deidre. I love to do great restaurants, which her right. and I do together. I love great things. But what I've realized is there's power in the end. We don't mm-hmm. have to live in the it's the money or the marriage. It's mm-hmm. the success in business or a great relationship with my children. What I found is we literally can live in the end, but we have to be intentional. Yeah. And I think too, it's it's actually creating a recipe that makes sense for us, for you as a person, right? I think that we prescribe to a recipe of success, like you mentioned, that it has to be lots of zeros and lots of commas and big things. And, and you know, um, at the end of the day, that may not be the success that you're called to be. Your mm-hmm. success may be that you're supposed to be a great parent in this season. There's a lot of years that we have to live if, if, if you know, we're granted that, right? And so we can create a recipe that makes it, we don't have to prescribe it what the world thinks that needs to be. And we have to know In defining that definition of success, we have to know who we are. You know, Mm -hmm. one of one of the things I share in my book uh, with Deanna Hamilton, a very successful businesswoman, entrepreneur, corporate executive. And I asked her, I said, well, who are you? And she gave me the litany of titles. And I said, no, 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 no. Who are you? And then she gave me the litany of organizations that she serves on. And I was like, no, who are you? And, you know, she was a little frustrated, like, I didn't told you who I am. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you tell me what yeah. you do. I ask you, yeah. who are you? Mm-hmm. And she literally in that moment sat back and said, you know, that's why I want to work with you. That's why I need this coaching. Wow. Going back to your original question with high performers, because our only metrics are these check boxes that are all external of who we are. But the reality is, is who you are is what allows you to define your success and so when we define our success, we then think about what do we value? Well, if we value family, but we only see them via FaceTime in between meetings because they're asleep when we leave and they're asleep when we go home, are we really valuing family? And so when we are able to get clear on who we are, what we value, then we're able to really define success. And if you define success as I want to be a phenomenal parent Mm -hmm. and I want to run a successful business, then we're able to make decisions with our time allocation that align with those two definitions of success. 
And I'll, I'll say this, I'll give this real-time example. Today, I was on a very important call. I'm under a very tight deadline. The company that we're hiring, the CEO was, you know, called me. There was a little discrepancy in the agreement that we needed to work out. He literally had five minutes to get on the call, work through these details. And my daughter called me. 11.30, middle of the school day. And one thing I established with her is I don't care what I'm doing. I'm always going to take the call. Right. Yeah. And so and here's that decision. Do I answer the call for my daughter calling me at 1130 or do I finalize this critical component, this time sensitive work component? And he only has five minutes. And the only way you can make the best decision for you mm-hmm. is when you know what you value. And so in that moment, I value my relationship with my daughter. And I said to him, you know what? I know you have five minutes, but this is my daughter. Can I, can I call you back or can you hold? And he goes, oh, Sherry, I just realized my meeting's been pushed back. Go ahead and and put me on hold and talk to your daughter. And I clicked over and I said, baby, every, you know, how are you doing? And she said, mommy, I just wanted to hear your voice. Wow. When your 14 year old freshman calls you in the middle of the day just to hear your voice. My God, I would have missed that call if I had not been aligned with my value. What is success for me? And success for me was that five seconds of my daughter saying, I just wanted to hear your voice because that deal that I'll work out, just like how his his timeline moved and we had more time, that will happen. But to have that moment, that my baby called me in the middle of the day just to hear my voice, I can never get that back. And so that's what success is, is that, guess what? After I got off the phone with my daughter, we worked out the deal. Mm-hmm. The contract is signed. The invoice <laughs> has been paid. It's right. the end. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I love that you just shared a real life story that happened today. That's beautiful because I think that it gives people hope that they can do this too. I hope that someone listening right now is inspired by the and, that they don't have to live with that or. So I love the subtitle of your book. I teased it out before, Exponential Living. It's stop spending 100% of your time on 10% of who you are. Now, there's a caveat. People have to know who they are, right? (laughs) But that's so strong. So can you give us a brief overview of the fix to this problem that you lay out in the book? Yes. So there are nine principles that serve as that gap to get us from that 10%. And and first, I want to define that 10%. What that is, is whatever you're spending the majority of your time on. And it's not always work. It can be if you are someone who's committed to working in your church at the expense of other things. If you're Mm. someone that serves in your community at the expense of other components of who you are. If you're that parent that is so committed to being there for your children that you have lost who you are. So I wanna make sure everyone understands that 10% is whatever is keeping you from the other 90% of who you are. Mm. And so the nine principles of exponential living really serve as that roadmap on how to, and I'll just highlight a couple of them. Uh, The first principle is live in your power live in your power. And what that really focuses on is what is your perspective? 
What do you need to take ownership of? What wisdom do you need to engage in your life? Meaning, how do you really decide what is most important for you in this season of your life? And then the engagement, which is about Mm. being present, not just your presence in situations, right? Not just being in, right? But really being present in every moment. And the reward comes from the consistency. And Mm -hmm. so we have to start with really getting to the point of what I say, two things, Stop saying, I don't know, right? Because mm-hmm. we do know. Yeah. And give yourself permission, dot, dot, dot. Whether, give oh. yourself permission to get help. Hire a life coach. Yeah. Hire someone to work with you. Give yourself permission to, to dream again. A right. part of yeah. the challenges we have in owning that 90% is we've stopped dreaming. We strategize, we plan, we organize, we collaborate, but we don't dream. And then one of the other principles I'd love to highlight is stop working and start maximizing. That's the fifth principle. Okay, I like this. (laughs) Stop working and start maximizing. Now, when you tell a high performer or a high capacity individual, honestly, probably 90% of the amazing listeners for this podcast, you say stop working, start maximizing. They're like, stop working? Like, what do you... mm -mm. Okay, the book is no good. She's already right. (laughs) (laughs) But what I mean when I say stop working, start maximizing is I mean, work allows us to be busy. Maximizing opportunities allows us to be productive. Mm. And if I could just take a moment and and share a quick story. When I was working at LaFace Records and my my, the co-owner of the company, the the L.A. in LaFace, uh, Antonio L.A. Reed. I was at my desk working and I was, you know, had my head down and and I'm working, I'm going. And so he was standing in my doorway. He had probably been there a minute, minute and a half. And when I looked up, I could tell he had been, you know, like, okay, you know, I'm standing Mm -hmm. in your doorway. Are you ignoring me? Do you? Right. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't know he was there. And he said, Sherry, he said, you are a marketing genius. He's like, Mm -hmm. you are. He was like, you are responsible for millions of albums being sold for Tony Braxton, Usher, all these phenomenal artists. He was like, but you're what's going to hinder your career is exactly what just happened. You always have your head down working. Mm. Now, I that's powerful. Yeah. But I didn't get it. I'm going to be honest. I was like, yeah. Okay, thank you. You know, you hurry along because I got work to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Head back down, going Head to the back ground. Down. Yeah. Ten yeah. years later, ten yeah. years later, I was working at this event that I absolutely love. I, I would volunteer my time every year. It's a very, very hectic weekend. So it's like five days of nonstop sleep, but it's mm-hmm. phenomenal work. And I went for, I I did this for 15 years. And so I'm coming home. Well, I'd done this for many years when I was single. Well, this time that I'm going home, absolutely exhausted. I'm literally flying to Atlanta from Miami, now married, now with a three-year-old. And Mm -hmm. so when I used to just crash for three days and recover, this time you got a three-year-old waiting for you. She's going to jump in your arms. She doesn't care what you've been doing. You've got a husband that you, you know, you got to be grown, right? Y'all been separated for five days. We're grown, right? Right. Okay. (laughs) So you got a husband who wants to be grown when you get home. All right. And, but as I'm flying in, 
I realized in that moment, I had retired from working. So when I was flying home, I literally had been maximizing opportunities. I was about to go home and maximize the opportunity of being a mother and a wife. And what I realized is work drains you, maximizing opportunities invigorates you. Because when you look at opportunities as something to maximize, it allows you to be discerning on the work that's not yours to do. It allows you to be discerning on the work that's not productive and effective and efficient and providing a return on investment. And so what I'm saying to high performers, when I say stop working, what because most high performers say my to-do list is the thing I'm drowning in. Well, Mm -hmm. when you understand the value of stop working and look at everything you have to do, what are the opportunities that I can maximize? That's when we get more rewarding energy from our work. And again, begin to bridge that gap between that 10% and that 100%. So that's a couple of the principles, but that's what those nine principles do is it really allows us to take a deeper dive into what's most important and Mm -hmm. how, the how we absolutely live in peace, clarity, and courage. Yeah. And I like that you speak a lot about peace right? Like you bring attention to the word peace. A couple of years ago, that was my word of intention for the year was peace, because I feel like so often that's looked over. People look for ways maybe to be less busy, less scheduled. They they look to try to maybe look at maximizing, right? They only look at one of those principles and not all nine of your principles. And I think that the peace part of it is really where there's, um, that's where maybe the secret sauce lies, Absolutely. (laughs) Exponential living is a lifestyle of pursuing peace, choosing clarity and living courageously. And what I have found, I have worked with some of the most prolific actors, politicians, Mm -hmm. athletes, corporate executives, entrepreneurs. I mean, the reach is mass. And I say that with all humility. I've worked with people who have millions of dollars. I've worked with people who are absolutely broken, broken. I've mm-hmm. I've been around and worked with people who don't know when they're going to get their next paycheck. And what I found in both ends of that continuum is mm-hmm. all they really desire is peace. Yeah. All at the core of everything, they want peace. And when we really look at that, whether you, when you're a high performer, when you're working, Most of the Mm -hmm. time you're working for security and because Mm -hmm. you believe security is going to give you freedom and you believe that freedom is going to give you peace. And what I tell people is no amount of money will ever give you peace. No amount of access, no amount of accolades will ever give you peace. So when I say pursuing peace, it really is the intention of finding that inner calm within Mm -hmm. yourself, regardless of your external situation. It's finding that inner power within you, regardless of your external situations. And I can say it from real life experience, because I'm my first and most important client. I've been broke. I've been broken. I've been at the highest highs and the highest, the lowest lows. And the only thing that sustained me is peace. And Mm -hmm. when you get that peace, clarity is automatic. They are hand in hand. When you get peace, clarity is automatic. And when you get that clarity, peace and clarity together, give us the courage to do anything. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we feel stuck because we don't have the courage to move. 
Or we know we literally should slow down, but we don't have the courage to stop. Or we know there's a decision we need to make, but we don't have the courage to make it. When we pursue peace, when we choose clarity, and when we decide to live courageously, there's nothing we can't do. And that becomes the foundation for all the success that we could ever imagine externally. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That was good. Preach. (laughs) Man, that's good. Maybe that should be, maybe that's what we should start teaching our kids, right? In school is it's, it's not the pursuit of leadership. It's not the pursuit of money, but it is the true pursuit of peace. Can you imagine what that would do to our world if we just decided to pursue peace instead? It would empower us in so many ways. I mean, I've had people say to me, peace doesn't exist. And I'm like, oh, it it 100% exists. My favorite book says, um, he is our peace, right? Right. I I love the story in, in the Bible when it talks about Jesus was on the boat and the waves were coming and the, the disciples was like, oh my God, we're going to die. It has to be a brutal storm to feel like you're going to die in the storm. Right. And we just went through some hurricanes. So we know the trauma of what that is. And so to be out in it, exposed in a little boat in a little boat and look over and your leader is asleep. They're asleep in the storm and you wake them up frantic, like, oh, my God, like, do you not care? Do you not feel the storm? Like and for your leader to wake up and say, peace, be still. Yeah. What he's saying to us is peace is always available to us. Mm -hmm. It's our decision to tap into that internal peace. And so it's always available to us. It is the foundation for us to truly enjoy all the external success that we work so hard to achieve. Yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice. We we get to wake up every day and choose peace. And it is a moment by moment decision sometimes. Yeah, true. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) I think the last year and a half has showed us that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, for me to say this conversation is has been good is an understatement. This conversation has been fabulous, and I know I needed to hear it. I know so many other people need to hear it. So thank you for all of these wonderful nuggets of information that you've shared with us. So Sherry, would you mind hanging around for just a few more minutes? I think I'd like to ask you maybe one more question. Is that okay? I I would love to. Absolutely. Awesome. 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 All right. Well, guys, you do not want to miss this. To hear that clip, subscribe to our email list and we will send you a link to our bonus content or visit onenextsteppodcast.com where you can find link to our show notes. Wow, I am just awestruck by my conversation today with Sherry. She is phenomenal. And I don't know about you guys, but just the conversation with peace has me taking some extra deep breaths right now. I'm just thinking about all the ways that I can add more peace into my life and live 100% of who I am. I hope you guys were touched by this episode, and I hope that you stick around for the bonus content, because that, my friends, is going to really knock your socks off. 
So as always, I have a download for you so that you can take your one next step. And this week's download is an audio excerpt from Sherry's book, Living Exponentially. Run to get that right now. You're not going to regret it. I promise you. Text the phrase one next step to 31996 or visit onenextsteppodcast.com and you will get access to today's resource to help you keep moving forward. Thank you as always for joining us. Until next time, lead wisely and lead well. Start by making today count. Guys, don't miss next week's episode when I will be putting our very own LZ in the hot seat. She will share a little more about her story and tell us what tools she has used to unlock her leadership potential. Here's a sneak peek into our conversation together. The crux of emotional intelligence is helping you understand how you show up. And I think that when we start to understand how we show up, we can better understand how our leadership affects others. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.